How to prepare for long-term care. What is long-term care? What does it cost? What are the odds you're going to need long-term care for yourself or for a family member? Do your needs change for long-term care if you're married, single, divorced? How does Medicaid work? And finally, how can you prevent long-term care from derailing your finances? We'll answer these questions and dive in a bit deeper on this episode of Through the Pines. All right. Welcome to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Sasquatch listens while charging his EV, which can sometimes take a while. This is Through the Pines, our financial wizards this week from planwithbaxter.com. We have the one and only Rex Baxter, along with Brandon Smith in his nice, clean office. We got to buy you some more books, Brandon. <laughs> I feel I that back shelf over here. Yeah. Um, all right. So on this episode, we will cover how to prepare for long-term care. By the way, you can like us. We do have a Facebook page through the Pines Facebook. Also follow us on Instagram at Pines underscore podcast. And if you're not already watching on YouTube, we do have a YouTube channel where you can see the wonderful, beautiful faces that is through the Pines. That's our YouTube channel through the Pines podcast First question, probably we need to get familiar with, what is long-term care? Rex, you want to tackle that? Sure. Thanks, first, for having us on your podcast, Brandon. We always appreciate that. (laughs) So before we get to what is long-term care, how how does Sasquatch charge an EV in the woods? I'm just curious. He's got special, uh, one of those really big, tall trees. The redwoods, the, the redwoods. Sequoia? Yeah. So at the top of those sequoias, he's got like a little sun panel thing that collects the energy and then it goes down and he charges his EV. And that's what he drives around town. With. That's what I've heard. I'm just saying. Sasquatch was doing it before it was cool. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so long-term care is, is the time in life when you're needing assistance, health assistance. And so it, you know, when we're talking about long-term care, we're talking about either in-home care, needing care in your home to to help you, you know, eat, bathe, get dressed, you know, those kinds of things, basic needs, or we're needing to go into a care facility, um, a step, you know, further than, than a retirement um, center or retirement community to where you know people are checking in on you, they're making sure that you're eating and, and taking your your medications, making sure that you're you're you know bathing and, and doing the things that you need to do. So when we're talking long-term care, that's what we're talking about is caring during that stage of life. Okay, um, that sounds expensive. And so, how expensive is it, and how do you project those costs? So it can be expensive. Right. I'll let Brandon kind of go through, you know, how you determine the cost and, and, and what that means. But there's, there's lots of different ways to cover the expense. But just in general, if you're going to go into a care facility, there's different levels, whether it's a, a, a nursing home, a skilled nursing facility, a, a retirement center that doesn't have skilled nursing. So there's different kinds of facilities out there. And the range in cost will be somewhere between, in in the state of Utah anyways, um, somewhere between about $3,500 to, to maybe about $8,000, depending upon whether you have your own room, whether it's a shared room, how nice of a facility it is. 
whether you know they're cooking food to order or whether you get three squares you know in a cot so yeah um i hope i hope that's not the case <laughs> brandon brandon these are monthly charges right right yeah right. and 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 that's what's crazy is is the care the the there's so much variability in this that it makes it incredibly difficult to plan for every every part of this right because you might have your monthly cost like rex was saying can range 3500 to 8000 but but we've seen it i mean dramatically higher than that in certain circumstances as well and then the care that you receive i mean there's a dramatic difference you'll go into one facility and and it smells terrible people are angry you know like there's a really bad vibe going on primarily due to lack of care and lack of you know people to take care of um others and, and then other facilities you go in it feels like home it's nice you've got people you know going to different activities you got you know and so so the cost per month is is highly highly variable the need is very different right from you've got some people who just need some help with some some basic you know activities of life maybe maybe bathing and, and toileting i mean there's a handful of there's six of them and we'll go into those in a little bit but you know you might have someone that just needs a little bit of help but can still get around can still go out and drive even and so your cost depends on on what your need is and then finally and and probably the hardest part of all of this is how many years does that cost go on right oftentimes the average care the average stay in a in a care facility is is depends on who you talk to and 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 there are various numbers there but it's usually about one and a half to three years is is your average stay in a care facility that's actually shorter than i thought it would be so but yeah by the time you go to a care facility that basically means you can't care for yourself correct yeah and some of it some of it's just you know age demographic norms right so the the current age demographic really really is apprehensive about going into a facility right a lot of people want to stay at home and and does that change as social you know our society's norms change maybe you know maybe people say i don't want to worry about a yard i don't want to worry about you know the difficulties of home ownership and and having kids and grandkids come over now you know it, it just changes and so but beyond that i mean how many years does it go right usually it's shorter but man, you can have Alzheimer's and live a really long time in an extremely expensive environment. And, yeah. and so it, it makes, you know, long-term care especially difficult to plan for and something that, you know, should be discussed. Well, $8,000 a month, Rex, that'll drain your pocketbook pretty quick too. Go, go ahead. What were you going to say? It, it can drain your pocketbook. That, that statistic of the, the average stay being about one and a half years up to three years is typically when you're unable to do three or more of, of what the insurance industry considers your, your activities of daily living. And, and so, you know, that can get extended that one and a half to three years can get extended significantly. Like Brandon was saying, if it's, if you're in a memory care unit, right. Due to dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, because you can still do, you can still eat, you can still bake. You might not remember to, right. Um, but, but you still are are very as far as able to do that, and and those kinds of situations can go on, like Brand said, for a decade or more. But eight thousand dollars, you know, if you go into the high end, typically you're not going into a high end unless unless you have either significant insurance or or a fair amount of wealth 
that you've kind of set aside and dedicated to, to cover for those expenses because eight, 8,000 a month is a lot. Yeah. And, and if you figure the average social security recipient is receiving somewhere between 2000 to 2500 a month in social security. And then on top of that, that either needs to be supplemented with um, either savings or pension or, you know, funds or revenue from somewhere else, then, then that, that eats that up pretty quick yeah. on a monthly basis. Rex, you and I are, are similar in age. Are you, do you have, have you had any personal experience with a family member or in, in long-term care? I have between grandparents. I have a mother-in-law that's in a care facility right now and, and she can still do probably, you know, five of the six activities of daily living that again, we'll get into. We're kind of teasing that out here just a little bit, but, but she's still fairly functioning, but she needs help kind of dressing and bathing and, and, and assistance with some of those basic things. She's starting to have a little bit more difficulty transferring between a bed to a wheelchair or to a walker, which she doesn't use hardly at all anymore. And so, so I do, and, and we've, we've had to shop around a little bit at different care facilities. And so I'm fairly, you know, I'm pretty familiar with Utah and our local market as far as costs and facilities, but there's also a lot of tools out there that we can utilize to look at facilities in other areas or costs in other areas. And so it, you know, again, a lot of our clients are, are spread throughout the entire nation. And so we get, you know, fairly used to, to looking at, at facilities all across the country. So so that, do people contact you to, for help with that? So, yeah. So current clients rely on us for a lot of things, right? We always we always kind of joke that if, if it involves a dollar, we're involved in it one way or another. And sure. certainly paying for long-term care involves a dollar. It for involves sure. a lot of dollars. It's it's just that, um, you know, you hear these funny stories about people calling 911 because, you know, they can't decide what hamburger to buy or something. And so um, I'm wondering if, if, it gets, if it gets a little wild like that where they're calling you uh, and it's like they can't figure out um, – basic basic purchases and so they're making you know they're calling you for that now long-term care is a lot of money so i guess that would make sense but i to be honest i wouldn't have thought to contact uh you you know an advisor first even though it involves a dollar because i would assume that's not what you study all day long you know so so generally we'll have the kids call us right And, and so the kids will be calling us and say hey we need to put mom or dad or mom and dad into a care facility, what things should we be looking at? Where can we evaluate them? You know, what's, what have you found to be uh, kind of, you know, non-negotiables, if you will, in, in looking at care facilities, think, things like that. If it's actual, you know, if it's, if it is mom or dad calling us, right? Something like that, then, then they're asking different questions and saying, look, I'm, I'm 70 or 80 or whatever the age is. And I'm wanting to go into a retirement center now so that I can control the move and I and I get to know a few people there now so that as I age and as I start to to go through this process I'm already comfortable and my kids aren't having to worry about it and so can you help me find a facility that to where I can stay in the same you know apartment condo whatever unit and I can progress me from kind of retirement living which can be activities, field trips, shopping, restaurants on site, all kinds of activities 
all the way through kind of skilled nursing to where I'm needing, you know, fairly constant check-ins from a, from a registered nurse or from a doctor. And, and so those are the conversations lots of times we're having with some of our, our elderly clients. Okay. I have in the notes here, um, the impacts of, of a spouse in, in the retirement expenses. Brandon, you want to cover that? Yeah, that, and that is the main concern with long-term care. If, if you're single and you know divorced, other spouses passed on, and, and you're, you're, you're just living in retirement, you know, oftentimes you, you have a living expense, right? You're living on, it depends, right? Three, four, five, six, twenty thousand dollars a month, whatever that range is. But even even on the lower end, right? People are often living on at least four to five thousand dollars a month. Um, if that's your living expense, and you're the only one you have to pay for, well, then we can just translate that over and go to a care facility and 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 retirement plans move on. And and it's not nearly as you know, life altering or financially altering as, as, as you might worry. Um, the concern comes though, is when you have two spouses, right? And one spouse needs to go into a care facility and they start having a bill, maybe at $6,000 a month or even, even $5,000 a month. Meanwhile, the other spouse stays at home and, and the expenses don't really change a lot. The, yeah. the, the spouse living at home doesn't turn the thermostat down because they're the only one there, right? Um, they, they still drive the car to almost as many, you know, different activities and destinations, if not more, if you're visiting, you know, the other spouse. And so the real concern is that you have two spouses, one of them pulling $6,000 a month, the other one continuing the planned retirement expense. And then, you know, eventually a spouse passes away that's in the care facility. You lose tax filing status. You lose the extra social security benefit. And that can, you know, if you've drained the nest egg down, that can leave the surviving spouse in a really difficult position. And so that's, I mean, that's, that is the main concern. And getting around that is, is kind of at the focal point of all of this. You know, do we, can we save extra if we're on the verge of going into a care facility? Can, is there a way that we can do that where we won't increase our expenses too much? Um, can we have friends or family help? I mean, we, we, there's a whole, you know, list of things we can try to do to accommodate and work around that. But that's the concern is, is how much extra are we going to pull on our retirement accounts and for how long? And trying to understand and project that is is kind of the, the key to the long-term care discussion. So when determining the long-term care, um, there are the six activities of daily living. Uh, you have them listed here. I'll read them off, which include eating. So this would be like if you can't do this on your own. Uh, eating, bathing, dressing. Uh, some would say I can't dress myself, but that's another story. <laughs> Transferring. So chair to bed. Um toileting and then walking and moving so if you're down how many one two any of those how does it how does it work well so obviously if you're paying for the care it's, it's up to you you know you can go and do whatever I, I will say i looked at actually a few different lists and it's funny so many people and companies will say the six activities but then the list slightly different activities but all of them are pretty similar on that and most insurance companies it, it's two right so if you can't do two of those things some of them say three but most of them's two right if you can if you can eat if you can bathe but you need help you know transferring or moving or if you need help you know i mean it, it just if you can't do two or three of those things that's when the policies the insurance policies that you can buy for these would would start to pay out 
Okay, Brandon, you're an insurance guy. Um, talk to me about the, can you, how can you protect yourself outside of a very large nest egg with insurance or disability insurance policies to help pay for long-term? Yeah, I think the first the first point that you mentioned, you know, disability insurance policies, though, oftentimes people will wonder, hey, can will my disability policy through work cover this or, or will my health insurance cover this? And, and, and the answer is no. Disability insurance, you know, pays out if you're unable to work and it covers, you know, a percentage of your income. Health insurance covers, you know, hospital bills and things like that. But once you're in a care facility, your, your health insurance isn't going to isn't going to cover that. And so really what you're left to do is, is either it, one of a few things, right? We buy a traditional long term care insurance policy. We buy a life insurance policy that has a long term care rider on it. We self insure meaning we save up extra into 401ks, IRAs, non-qualified accounts, or wherever we want to save it, we build up some extra savings to pay for that. Or, or finally, we just kind of lean on family or friends to, to try and help us through that. And those are kind of the main options. It used to be about 10, 10 years ago, there were actually quite a few companies, insurance companies, that had really good products in the long-term care space. If you wanted, if you're worried about your future long-term care expense and you're relatively healthy, you could go out, pay a premium for that, and that would the company would take care of that for you. As the industry has shifted and, and as the question marks have grown as far as how much is future care going to cost, how long do people live down the road, um, insurance companies have gotten a little bit nervous about, about that risk that they're taking on. And so now we see policies that, relatively speaking, are fairly expensive. They, they often hold the right to increase your premium each year by as much as 25%. Oh, that's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then finally, they put caps now on the benefit, meaning, hey, we'll cover this amount. But once you hit this dollar amount of benefit paid out, we stop paying. And, and that's, you know, that, that's difficult, you know, because it really doesn't. I mean, it helps. Right. But but a lot of times when we run the numbers, it just doesn't make as much financial sense. So who, t- who takes out the policy and how old are they typically when they start thinking about this? The person that is going to be is going to end up in a lawn care ter- yeah. facility or the kids? <laughs> no, it usually it's out the on person, their parents. right? I, I'm sure it's happened before where the kids are like, hey, we don't want any part of this, right? And 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 they take that out. But usually it's it's the people that would be needing the care okay. themselves. Oftentimes in, in the age bracket, I mean – you might say as young as 40, but usually 50 and 60s is, okay. is when you're buying these policies. Because, man, life insurance can be a little bit hard to get approved for. Long-term care is even more difficult to get approved for because you're, you're more likely to need that early on than, than like a life insurance policy. Okay. Uh, Rex, how, how much do you know about Medicare? A little bit. A little bit. I had <laughs> a, a little bit about Medicare. A friend of mine posted on Facebook because he's looking at Medicare options, I believe, for his mom. And there's, I know nothing. So, uh, because I just haven't looked at it at all. But I guess there's different plans. And so his question was, who specializes in this that I can ask? So I know the differences between the plans. Are they that complicated? And are, do they make that big of a difference? And do um, they even cover long term care? So, yes, yes, and no. So, <laughs> so for those that could keep Brandon's questions all straight, because he's just rapid firing at yeah. me. 
Um, <laughs> yes, they are that complicated. Yes, there are people that specialize in them that are okay. typically Medicare health insurance specialists. And no, Medicare does not cover long-term care. Okay. And so there, there are a number of basic Medicare plans. You know, you have a, an AB, you know, you've got Medicare Part A, which is hospital insurance. Medicare Part B, which is doctors, essentially, and, and you know, healthcare coverage. And then you have parts C and D that cover, you know, prescriptions, drug care, things like that, that are kind of the gap insurances. And then, you know, there's about six basic plans. They, they just to make things confusing because you have Medicare Part A and B, the, the six different plans are Plan A, Plan B, C, D, uh, E, G, and, and so forth. And so you've got those plans to decide from, which all have kind of a different checklist that Medicare covers. And those are similar from company. Those are identical from company to company. But they can add on to the basic coverages. And then you have what's called Medicare Advantage plans that kind of combine all of the B, C, and D into a combined plan, which have become a lot more popular over the last few years because some of them will cover dental, some won't, some will cover vision, some won't, things like that. And so you can kind of cherry pick from year to year as to what kind of coverage you need. Thank goodness this is not a Medicare podcast today. And so, <laughs> well, so, as exciting as that would be, um, no. Yeah. Uh, so can so how does it? You can't use any funds at all from it for long term. Yeah. No. So Med- Medicare doesn't cover long term care insurance, right? Medicaid, not to be confused with Medicare. Okay. Uh, Medicaid will cover a base level of long term care insurance. However, in order to qualify for Medicaid you can't have more than roughly $2,000 in assets to your name. Wow. Um, and your income for the most part that's dedicated towards you again, needs to go towards that care. Medicaid can be a little bit restrictive. I know a number of people that are, you know, have had to use Medicaid for their parents. And unfortunately you're looking at sometimes two, three, four, five people per room you know, kind of shared rooms. And, and if you can imagine having five elderly in one room trying to decide between Jeopardy or The Price is Right or different things like that on one TV, oh, yeah. um, that may not be the quality of life that you're looking for. Yeah, you know? and that's the least thing. I mean, they're going to argue about, they're, they're gonna, that's going to be a mess, I think. That's, yeah. that's tough. So, so we really try and avoid that, right, through with most of our clients as far as savings or transferring the risk to an insurance company, whether it be a long-term care policy or a life insurance policy with a rider, with a long-term care rider on it. You know, we'll do a separate podcast at some point on Medicare and bring on a Medicare specialist um, because I think that is a big issue to our audience. So The flip side to, to bunking with multiple uh, elderly people would be you've got plenty of friends. You have new friends now. Which is nice. you know, I'm to talk to you. <laughs> oh, hope you like them. I hope you don't remember. Yeah. Man, you have more numbers? I do. Yeah. Before we get to that, one yeah. one other quick thing on some some people will try and and because there's a look back too, right? People will say, Well, okay, I can only have twenty five hundred dollars to my name. I'll just give it all to my kids jump on Medicaid, right, and, and run through it. And obviously, yeah. there's a look back on that. And so they look back five years to see if you've got if you've had assets, if you have, then obviously that, you know, you don't qualify for that. That is and not so, a lot of I mean, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, you uh, basically have to be completely 
completely, you know, out, you know, right, financially. Right. Okay. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's good, right? It's a safety net that picks up so that we don't have sure. elderly people on the street if they can't afford it. Right. And, sure. and, but, but it's definitely not, uh, it's not as much of a fallback as a lot of people think it is where people think, Hey, I'll just jump on Medicaid if I need it, you know, for long-term care. And it's like, well, you can, but basically your entire state needs to be, needs to be done. I have seen people literally gift their entire state out. So, so move it to an irrevocable trust, move everything out and in order to wait that five years and then you, you can, but then the difficulty with that is you, you're right back on a Medicaid plan, right? Do you want to be in a Medicaid facility, like a facility that's approved by Medicaid? And usually the answer is no. It's a nice thing to do if you're, you know, doing that for your kids, I guess, to give them some of an inheritance. But it is a lot of estate work and you literally have to give all of your assets away. You can't hold on to those. You can't keep or control those. You have to move that out of your estate. And so, yeah. Anyway, if you do that wrong, it's it's Medicare fraud, right? Medicaid fraud, yeah. which is a significant issue. And and you know, the, the government does penalize that to the fullest extent. And on top of that, you know, you end up they'll end up either clawing it back or they make you pay out of pocket now that you've given everything away until that amount has been essentially spent down. And so there, there, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes around that. We know a lot of estate attorneys that kind of work on asset protection trusts and working on trying to get the, the assets out of the estate, putting them in irrevocable trusts and, and, and trying to make sure that it's out of the estate and out of their ownership prior to that five years or seven years or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it, it is a fairly complex issue where you, you probably want multiple professionals looking at that scenario for you if that's if that's the path that you're headed down okay brandon some more numbers numbers. yeah yeah so nationwide um did a survey study and and they looked and they said that the average retirement age has grown from 65.4 to 63.8 so almost almost three three full years between and that's so that's the average retirement age almost three full years and that's happened between January of 21 and August of 2022. So August of last year. Um, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting statistic. At, at face value would be startling, right? Yeah. That holy cow, in, in, in a short you know year and a half, people have all on average pushed back retirement age by three years. The reality is I think that has a lot more to do with the cyclical place that we're in with the economy, you know, as, 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 the economy, you know, as people get nervous about things happening, which there's a lot, you know, if you look at the consumer confidence index, there's plenty of uncertainty out there. And so oftentimes, and we see it with clients as well, people will say, yeah, I, I can retire, sure. But man, work's not so bad. And what if some, you know, what if things get worse? I'll just keep working because it's a lot easier to keep working than to retire, go away and then decide I need to come back in a year or two. Well, so, they anyway, they gotta keep of... saving so they can put mom in in long term care. It's they gotta keep, they gotta <laughs> yeah. keep working. But, but yeah. Rex, what's the best uh, what's the best strategy to build a big enough nest egg so that you can pay just pay for the best long term care for your loved one? I think it's starting early, right? Just like most of our podcasts, we talked about saving early and starting early and and spending less than. Than what you 
make and 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 those basic needs. But I do think that planning for that and saying, look, not only am I going to have my retirement expenses, which again is made up typically of of Social Security and possibly a pension or a four hundred one k and and maybe you've got some rental income, maybe you don't, or, or you're selling a business to, to generate some of that other income. But then to plan for that and say, yeah, but realistically, I may, you know, when I hit 85, I may need a long-term care facility for, for two years, three years, five years, seven years. And, and here is the present value of that future cost. And so here's how much I need to be saving today in order to increase my, my nest egg so that I can self-insure. And, and that is what the majority of our clients do. The majority of our clients will self-insure for their long-term care needs. That can be difficult to do if it is an extended, you know, mental illness or or memory care kind of situation, then that, that can be a lot. And so in those situations, lots of times we are taking and, and utilizing insurance to transfer that risk. But, you know, to answer your question, how do we do that? with our clients is, is we plan for it, right? As we wrap that cost into our projections and we wrap that, that expense in to make sure that we're saving the right amount and that we have that saved up so that we can draw upon it when we need it most. Just in addition to that, long-term care isn't the only risk you face as you enter retirement in your 60s. There's a, a few big ones, right? Uh, long-term care is one of them, but another one's premature death. Right, that first decade of retirement is is somewhat dangerous, right? If 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 one spouse predeceases the other by a, by a lot, right, passes you turn both turn sixty five and one spouse passes away, it, you know it's not impossible, but that makes it that's really hard because like I mentioned earlier, you lose that tax filing status of married filing jointly, and you lose a social security benefit, and and so yes, the continuing spouse will still take one of the higher of the two benefits going forward. But, but man, to lose one is usually, you know, means one, $2,000, sometimes $3,000 a month. And so there are a few risks going into retirement in addition to, you know, market performance, recessions. I mean, there's, there's various things. And so, you know, rarely do we ever do a financial plan that is, you know, just going to squeak by if all the, all the optimal cases pre- present themselves. Now, the, the better way to do it is to have a financial plan that has some cushion knowing that more likely than not, we're going to see one or two or three headwinds, right? We're going to see some unknown, but you build a plan that has the flexibility to get around those unknowns. And and yeah, sometimes we do accept risk, you know, depending on what clients want. Sometimes like, hey, look, I really need more. I want more lifestyle today. I'm willing to accept that we could get in a, a little bit of a tighter pinch later um, if, if all the cards align poorly. You know, and, and we can move forward with that. But but it's our job to help people kind of plan and anticipate how do we make sure we're moving into retirement with a high probability of probability of success. Brandon, have you run the numbers on what is the probability? Speaking of 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 us ending up in a long term care, are we all going to be there together? Brandon's too young. Rex and I will hang out in the same place, but. But yeah, what what's the percentages of how many people tend to stay home for as long as they can and, and live there and um, you know pass quietly in in their bedroom at night and then how you know how many um, end up in a care right. facility? You know, it's hard hard to say exactly. Um, I know people have done different studies. I saw one number that said you know if you're 65, 
you have a 70% probability of needing long-term care. Um, but, but, but like what, you know, what does that mean? Two of, two of the six, you know, things, oftentimes people get that long-term care from a family member, right? They won't go into a facility. I, and Rex, I don't know if you, you've seen it. I haven't seen a number on what your, your percent is to a care facility. It's hard to say even, even if we had that number though, it's largely driven by financial ability, right? And so many people need the care, but just can't afford to go into a facility. And, and so we'll have kids or spouses, you know, take care of them. And so I, I don't know that there's really good data on that, but I don't know, Rex, do you have a better answer? I've seen a lot of studies too, but I always, I always look at them with a little bit of a skeptical eye because most of the studies are commissioned by insurance companies. <laughs> um, so, so that might sound terrible. Are they skewed a little? Oh. <laughs> we you have not. a 100% chance of needing yeah. this insurance. <laughs> yeah. so Weird. We, we hope not. I, I do know that, you know, for a lot of people in, in the United States, that most of most people expect their family to care for them. And, and most people want to pass away in their home right and and uh they don't want to be a burden to their kids on the one hand but by the uh, on the other hand they also don't want to move out of their homes and so they they really get torn into this you know decision of of what do i want to do and and i think one of the things that that we don't spend enough time talking about is the stress of of having to care for somebody in their own home that needs long-term care as a family member or as a spouse. And, and I, I have seen studies on this to where it does shorten the lifespan of the caregiver um, that's caring for that person due to that increased stress that they're putting on their own life and, and them essentially taking a gap from, from spending time with their kids, spending vacation, working, as much as, as maybe they would otherwise socializing with, with people their own age, as opposed to now spending it in and, and out of duty with their mom or dad or both in their home, having to do those, you know, two, three, four, five, six activities of daily living for, you know, with their parents. And so I, you know, I am a big fan of utilizing the facilities that are out there and, and as they continue to get better and better, and they continue to provide more and more, you know, services for the elderly. You know, they're they're not like the care centers of two generations ago of, of kind of the Great Depression, where literally it was a nursing home that you know that has that medical smell, and you go in and and you you just walk in and it feels like death, you know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and and that's not the case anymore, and yet a lot of people still have that image or impression and it's just not. And so I, I encourage that as parents are getting closer to that stage, that the kids take them there and explore and, and go and eat lunch at those facilities and, and kind of explore the different kind of facilities. And instead of keeping this one of those taboo topics that we don't talk about, throw it on the table. It's, it's a fact of life. It's, it's something that we're all going to face. And, and let's just explore what, you know, how do we want to be cared for and what's going to work for all the family members involved? Yeah. Well, I can tell you the home option is stressful. We're going through that right now. And, um, 
take, taking care of someone in the home is, and, and we've got, we've got two on, two on the job right now. And, and that's even stressful because then it's the communication between the two and, and well, I could totally see how that would shorten a lifespan of, of the poor <laughs> caretaker, you know? And, um, so, so consider those are, there's a lot of things to consider with long-term care. Um, it's expensive. Um, how do you save for it? Uh, the odds are pretty good. You may end up in one. Also, things change a lot depending on if you're married or if your spouse dies, which is interesting. Uh, we went, we covered Medicare and Medicaid as well. Uh, anything else? I, I don't think so. I think it's, yeah. I think it's one of those, those things that, that we do, you know, we are prepared to have those discussions with you. Um, with our clients and and with those in the public, it's something that that we do address regularly, and that we're familiar with. I think looking at transferring the risk, it, you know, insurance policies come and go with their attractiveness or, or unattractiveness. But I think looking at all the options and understanding what the pricing of all the options is is part of doing your due diligence just as much a part of doing your due diligence as going out and looking at the actual facilities and seeing what those costs are for the care provided and seeing which you know price points you're comfortable with as a family so plan with baxter give us a contact and uh and let us know what your questions are awesome thanks rex again you can follow us on our facebook page or through the pines facebook instagram is at pines underscore podcast and if you are not already subscribed to our youtube channel please do so it is through the pines podcast this has been through the pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams